Good evening. We sang a beautiful song about God's redeeming love and grace. And, and before we begin, I wonder if that song was for you, right? Um, if that song was for the people in this room, the people watching online who are in desperate need of God in their situation, right? Like, is that you? Are you broken, weary, tired by world's troubles? The call is to come. I mean, that's why we're celebrating Christmas. We're celebrating Christmas because we believe here as a church that God has come, Emmanuel, with us so that you and I can have life, that the troubles of this world, the, the problems that we face are, are merely just temporary in a moment. And our hope and our desire for you this evening is that, is that you would respond to the grace and love and kindness of Jesus. I mean, that's what we're here to celebrate. If you're a first time guest with us, we wanna say welcome to the chapel. We're excited you're with us this morning. And um, tonight's uh, Christmas Eve service is merely for us, the believer, if you're a Christian in this room, is a celebration. It, it's a celebration of what God has done. There's no bait and switch here, right? There's, there's nothing we're gonna do, make you do, give anything. Like the, the whole point of our evening tonight is to celebrate the triumphal entry of a king. We celebrate a king who is alive and well, sitting on his throne. And, and what you've witnessed already in the songs is just a testimony of God's faithfulness through Jesus Christ. And we see that in scripture. Also, we want to welcome all the families and kids. Kids, are you in the room? I need you to yell real quick. Oh, yeah. Dan Cooper. We're excited that the little kiddos in the room. And, and parents, I mean, if your kids are in the room, it's okay if they're squirmy. It's okay if they move around. If they're screaming bloody murder, that's okay too. Um, we understand they're in the room. I know they're here in the room. And um, it's not an issue for us if they're screaming or walking around. And if one of them wants to join me up here, that's perfectly fine as well. <laughs> they can get a mic. We've been in a series, really quickly, we've been in a series in the last four weeks called Let Heaven and Nature Sing, and, and you'll see throughout our building, right, uh, decorations and the trees and in the vestibule of creation singing. What are they singing? What we're singing and what creation is singing is, like I said before, the triumphal entry of a king, Jesus, Jesus Christ. And what we see even in Scripture throughout the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, right? The creation, we, heaven, the angels, sing praises to a glorious king. And that's what we're here to do this morning. So that's why we focused the last couple of weeks on this series. We started out with a passage in Isaiah chapter nine. It's a famous passage. Isaiah nine, six says, for, uh, for us, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And what we believe about Isaiah nine is that this promise of hope is for God's people. This promise provided for the people of Israel a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace is the person of Jesus Christ. It's a promise made to the people of Israel. 
And we see in Isaiah 9 that the fulfillment of that promise is Jesus. We also talked about Mary's song. How many of you know Mary's song that she magnifies the Lord? Her spirit rejoices in the Lord. Hundreds of years will pass from Isaiah chapter 9 and Mary would receive a message from an angel. Think about this, a young girl who's told that she is going to bear the Son of God and her response, knowing the criticism, the social dilemma that she would face, the the how people would ostracize her in her religious community, she praises God for the gift that he has given her to be part of that redeeming story. Even Mary is able to praise God. And then we talked about the shepherds. Kids, if you look on the screen, there's a picture of the shepherds. And in this moment, we see a beautiful interaction between heaven and earth. In this picture right here, we see the angel announcing the coming of the king to shepherds. And why would he reveal himself to shepherds? Ostracized by society, lowly and humble. Why them? It's because the king of kings came to save people who didn't have a title, who, who weren't worried about their wealth or their problems, who, who, didn't, who didn't think of themselves as highly above other people. He came to the shepherds who were lowly and ostracized, poor and meek. And that's who God reveals himself. And in fact, not only does the angel announce the birth of this king, but in fact, heaven declares the glory of the king. Heaven cannot contain itself. In fact, what we see in the passage in Luke chapter two, that there's a choir of angels, a host of angels who sing praises to a king. Even the angels can magnify and praise a king. And guess what we know about the angels? They weren't saved by God. The angels weren't saved by grace. In fact, what the angels are worshiping, they're worshiping the glorious work of a king who would save you and me. That's what they're celebrating. They're frozen in righteousness. They, they can't sin. Therefore, they don't need grace. They don't need mercy. And in that moment, what we see is the angels, thousands of them in the sky, give praise and glory to the Lord. For what? For what he has done for you and me. Even heaven declares the glory of God so that you and I can receive grace and mercy. And, and what do the angels do in response? You'll see it on the screen, kids. Look at the kids. Kids, look on the screen. You'll see that they'll come to Mary and Joseph and they'll find Jesus in a manger. And this is a, a glorious picture. This isn't the, the inaugural celebration of a king. This is a baby in a feeding trough. That's our king who's come from heaven so that you and I can have life and he's not in a golden attire. He's, he's in fact in a feeding trough. And what do the shepherds do? 
How do they respond to this message? They respond with praise and glory on their lips, testifying of the work of what God has done, what he has told them, what he has shown them. The beauty of the story of the shepherds is that they magnify a God who didn't have to tell them the message, but chose them to tell the message. And then finally for this evening, we come to Luke chapter two, verse 22. The title of this sermon is A Hope Fulfilled. Isaiah nine promises that God will send the Messiah, a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. And what we see in this passage, in Luke chapter 22, 35, if you don't have your Bibles, there's a Bible in the pew back in front of you that you can, you can look and read this passage. But before we read this passage, my, as you turn to that page on 857, my question for you this morning, or excuse me, I'm so used to preaching on Sunday mornings that I think it's the morning. My question for you this morning. <laughs> Let's just make believe it's morning. And every time I say it, we're okay. All right? Sorry. My question for you this evening. You see? I learned. Thank you. I'm a slow learner, but that's okay. But in seriousness, my question for you this morning is, is <laughs> I, listen, we, I got issues. If this is your first time at the chapel, this is every Sunday something's going on. So uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be serious and now I can't, right? Like I'm trying to get you, Jesus loves you and come to Jesus and you're over here like, who's this buffoon talking? Uh, my question for this evening is, and I won't say that phrase again, my question for this evening is, what are you hopeful for, for this Christmas? I mean, if you think about it, like, think about the year that we've been through. Think about the last two years we've been through. Like, many of us have been distant from families and friends. Many of us have experienced losses. I mean, how many people in this room are, have experienced losses in their families? How many people in this room are celebrating this Christmas without a family member. They're, they're going to have dinner tonight and across the table there's gonna be an empty seat. Someone that was there last year or should have been there last year and they weren't. What are you hopeful for this Christmas? When you look at this world, look at me. Like this world full of pain and hurt this world with calamity, strife, how are you and I supposed to have hope? Who are we supposed to have hope in? We can't even trust our government leaders. We can't trust people in society. In fact, many of us can't even trust ourselves. I mean, I don't trust myself. Who are we to put our hope and trust in? How in this celebration of Christmas, when we think about gathering with our families and friends, how are we supposed to have hope? Who are we supposed to go to for hope? How can we feel the peace and the joy that people talk about 
in churches. When we look at the world, we look at our lives and we say, man, this is tough. This is hard. But the encouragement for you this morning, this evening is that hope is found in Jesus. So we look to Luke chapter 2, verse 29. Luke chapter 2, 29. This is a beautiful passage, actually, in the Gospel of Luke. So here's what's happening when we get to verse 29. Mary and Joseph already have given birth to Jesus. Now they're on their way to the temple. Why are they going to the temple? Two reasons. One, in the Jewish culture, it was required that women would pay um, a sacrifice for the law of purification after giving birth. Two, when a woman in a family gives birth to a child, to a boy, and that first child is a boy, the Bible says in the Old Testament that the families are to go to the temple and consecrate the child before God because God says, that child is mine. So what do Mary and Joseph do? They go to the temple. And when they go to the temple, they're going to make sacrifices for their sins, to atone for their sins, but also they're going to dedicate Jesus. And what happens in the middle of that story? They had no intention of meeting anyone else. They had no intention to talk to anyone else. They walk into the temple, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit took control of this man named Simeon. Simeon was given a promise. And here's what God promised Simeon. A real promise, a legitimate promise that he heard from the Lord. And the promise was that you're not going to die until you'll see the salvation of Israel. Now think about that. A man was given a promise by God and he says, you're not going to die until you see the salvation of Israel. And in this moment, Simeon, looking at the world, looking at the oppression of God's people, I wonder if he was thinking, when is this salvation coming? But in the middle of the story, what we see is God orchestrating a divine meeting, a divine meeting in which he will come by the Spirit and cause Simeon to come into the temple. And then what does Simeon see? He sees Mary and Joseph coming into the temple, carrying the child. And here's the witness, verse 29. He takes the baby from Mary and says this, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Amen, amen. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light a revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Verse 34, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. Last verse, 
verse 35. This is powerful. This is, this is before Jesus' ministry. This is when he's a child. This is what Simeon says to Mary and Joseph. He says, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is the hope fulfilled. Look at me. Here in this passage, God has given a promise to a man, but not only a man, a people. And this man is seeing the revelation of God revealed to him. He is seeing a hope fulfilled in a child. The hope wasn't an army coming in to save the people. It wasn't to relieve them from the pain and the hurt and the guilt of their oppression. The hope fulfilled was in a child. That was the hope that he had. And what was his response? His response was praise and glory. Now I asked you a question. What are you hopeful for this Christmas? Simeon in this passage is hopeful for the salvation of his people. But the realization of that hope is found in the child. I want to give you a definition really quickly of what hope is because I think it would encourage our hearts this evening to realize that, that hope, hope is not found in yourself. Hope is not found in your marriage. Hope is not found in your abilities, your capabilities. Hope is not found in technology. Hope is not found in family or government or, or society or friends. Hope is only found in Jesus. John Piper gives this beautiful definition of hope. He says, this is biblical hope. Biblical hope. This is what the Bible says about hope. John Piper says, biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen. Think about that. Hope expects it to happen. You can't look at me and tell me that you can say that about relationships. You can't tell me that you expect that from our government or society or people. Biblical hope desires a better future, but expects it. How does it expect it? Well, it's not in the system or the plan. It's in the person. Hope is in a person. A person that will restore and redeem the very things in your life that you yourself cannot fix. Hope is in Jesus who restores marriages, who restores relationships. Hope in Jesus means that in the face of adversity, in the face of obstacles, in overwhelming um, situations, hope believes in Jesus. Not to just save you from the very thing that you find yourself in, but to take you and redeem you and take you to a better place with him. See, the beauty of hope in scriptures is that we don't look for today, we look for tomorrow. And not just tomorrow like in the next day, but tomorrow as in eternity. Tomorrow, face to face with Jesus. That is true hope. God in his faithfulness gave Simeon a promise 
He gave him a sweet gift and being able to see the reality of his, of his faith. His faith was found in this child in verse 32. To see the revelation of God's redeeming power to an unbelieving world, that means you and me, the Gentiles, in verse 32. Simeon is testifying of a hope that not only is for the people of Israel, but for all nations. And we are part of that nation. When we see in this passage is hope that fully believes that God is going to do, he is going to redeem you and me. In fact, when we look at this passage, when we read this verse, we should find our hope rooted in God's faithfulness. Look at me for a minute. God has always been faithful. God has always been faithful to his people, even when they were faithless. God continually, through the Old Testament, has made promises to people who could never keep their own covenant with God. They couldn't keep their own promises with God. But God has remained faithful to them, even when they have been faithless to him. God has made promise to Adam, to Abraham, to Moses, to David. He has always kept his promises. And if God promised the people of Israel that he was going to send a Messiah to save Israel, to save you and me, then our hope is rooted in his faithfulness. Our hope is not rooted in what God only can do. It's rooted in his character. In this passage, Simeon sees that Jesus is the light of the world and has come to restore what you and I have broken. How is he going to do that? In fact, Simeon testifies of this. How is this child going to be the light to Israel? How is this child going to be the light to the nations? And here's how he's going to do it. He's going to die for a murder He's going to die for a crime he didn't commit. That's what Simeon promises Mary and Joseph. That's what he says in verse 34. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. What, what Luke, the author, is saying here is that Simeon understood that the promise that was given to Israel is fulfilled in Jesus, and this is how he's going to redeem them. He's going to die. You see, the society celebrates the gift and family and friends, and all those things are good, but, and many times we, we talk about the birth of a king, which is absolutely good, but sometimes we just end it right there. He was born in a manger. And Mary and Joseph were good people. And that's the end. We put a period at the end. The true Christmas story, the real Christmas story is this. That the King of kings, the Lord of lords, has come down to save you and me. You and I, who were dead in our sin. You and I, who couldn't live apart from God who were wayward and sinful people, 
now have an opportunity to receive life. The Christmas story doesn't end with a king in a manger. Look at me. The Christmas story ends with the king of kings coming down to conquer sin and death. You and I see through the testament of scriptures that the king of kings, Jesus, has come to save you and me. Save us from what? Ourselves. The beauty of this story is that Jesus, this child, who didn't commit a crime, will grow up to be a man and die. He had one purpose, one purpose alone, and that was to die. My question for you still stands. What are you hopeful for this Christmas? Because when I read this passage, I'm encouraged. When I read this passage, I'm excited. Why? Because God has been faithful. You and I are part of a fraternity. You and I are part of a sorority that looks back to the cross of what Christ has done. And we celebrate with all generations who have put their faith in Jesus, knowing that he has conquered sin and death. He doesn't come in just as a child. He comes as a roaring lion to defeat sin and death. You and I have experienced so what am I hopeful for this Christmas season? I am hopeful for in the person of Jesus Christ. Not the gifts, not the food, though I love the food. I'm hopeful in the person of Jesus Christ. And are you hopeful in that person? Are, are you hopeful in the person of Jesus Christ? Or have you found your hope in something else or someone else? And you're still waiting for someone to come save you from your problems and your situations. Are, are you hope, hopeful in the person of Jesus Christ? Or are you still waiting? Because let me tell you something. He's already come. And he's coming back. He's coming back again to restore what we have broken. Let's pray. Why don't you take a moment in the silence of your heart why don't you evaluate your own heart and, and ask yourself that question where, who, what have I placed my hope in? Father God, I, I ask you that this Christmas season, today and tomorrow, that we would be mindful that the, the meaning of Christmas is that your son came to this earth to conquer sin and death for us so that we can have life. God, would you remind us that the true meaning of Christmas has nothing to do with gift, but it has to do everything with the gift giver.
thank you for the gift of your son Jesus and thank you for the gift of celebrating the birth of a king. We thank you this evening and we praise you. Why don't you just take one moment at the seat and, and why don't you thank God for the gift giver? Why don't you thank him that if you're a believer, you have the gift of salvation and that today we celebrate Jesus. All across this room now, why don't you lift up your hands and praise? And if you're a guest, you can lift up your hands. We lift our hands in church because it's a sign of surrender and it just means that we praise God for what he has done. We thank you, Father God. In Christ's name, the people of God say, Amen. This has been a message from the chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about the chapel or any of our campuses, including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.